Hello. Hey, Sarah. How are you today? I'm okay. It's a long Sunday. It's okay. It's a long Sunday. It's a long Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's a long Sunday because you had you had stuff to do and. Yeah, because like, you know, when we're running our own businesses, we can't like say, talk to work, right? We got to work all the time, right? Uh, yeah, I do not recommend this to everyone. <laughs> you, know, you know, I think, I think uh, maybe maybe before we, we start, you know, our conversation, let's, uh, you know, let's mm. give our audiences, especially those who don't have, like, uh, who don't know you that well, who don't go to conventions, uh, have an introduction. Or, you know, just to hear a little bit more from you. Um, so maybe you can uh, just talk a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got into the toy design uh, industry. Oh, okay. Mm, let's hope it doesn't take too long. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I'm currently a VizDev uh, illustrator, toy designer, slightly popular kind of artist, but I really enjoy toy product and consumer design kind of stuff. So I, uh, hmm, let's have a look at this little friend here. So here is a Darumao. It's one of my favorite toys that I've made so far. Hello. Yeah, it's been around for and a very long time. It's, so it's cool. been around for a while, and it need, I mean, around for a while means he needs new friends. So you know, you know, new friends, new friends. We'll see how that goes along. Oh That's so, cool. <laughs> uh, uh, so okay, so I started actually in poly doing animation, and. Uh, as it turns out, there's a big difference between liking animation and being able to do animation. Turns out I just like animation, <laughs> completely different. Mm. So, okay, I don't do so great in, in animation. Figured out I like illustration. Great, let's try illustration. Um, that was also just, okay, ah, yeah, this was the first job problem. We can go into that later. But, so illustration, um, let's see, game art, concept art, uh, I did design for Capcom London at some point, design for, what was that, RT animations, I did concept art design for them. And then after a longish time, I said, I'm done with this stupid, stupid industry. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do my own thing now. And then I said, okay, 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 let's try something else. Let's try something else. Okay, okay, let's try toys, okay? Let's try toys. So I saved money and put in a good amount of uh, savings to make my first designer toy, which is actually not this guy. This is not the first guy. Uh, let's see, where is he? Ah, here he is. This is actually the first toy. Hey! His name is Noodles because, you know. Yeah, it's the noodles on the head. He likes on ramen, the so there's noodles there on his head. <laughs> um, yeah, on the head, on the head. And then it was, after, it was after that I just fell in love with the whole toy thing. And then, um, Interestingly, I got headhunted about a year later by a toy company, and uh, which was a good experience. I was with them for about two years. I learned a lot, and um, let's see, got a lot of experience, had good colleagues, so I picked up a lot of tricks, I guess, in a way, and learned about manufacturing and how generally how things are done. Factory, you know, all colors, pantone, all these important parts. One should know, but I don't know because I'm not industrial design trained. So that was a good experience, I think. And now I'm back to freelancing again. Yay! <laughs> mm, so you're freelancing and still doing your toy designs at the same time. Doing my own thing on the side. I and mean, it's something I put some time and effort into when I can because it's not cheap, okay? If anyone here is thinking about doing toys, it's not cheap. Don't be 
But what's what's roughly like you know the the setup cost like you know like when you are talking about designing your website. Oof, um. Okay. Um. If you are an artist, that's great because there are some people who come up to me and they can't draw, but they want to make a toy. But fair enough, you know, there's no real barrier for this whole toy making thing. So if you can draw, that's great. If you can 3D model, it's even better. You don't have to pay a 3D model to get your model done. Uh, you will have to pay someone to get your 3D print out, a decent 3D print. And after that, you're going to have to find a factory and then you're going to look at the numbers. But basically, roughly, it's easy to start at $10,000 for a toy. Mm. As wow. a base price, yeah. As a base price, just, just to, to sink in the capital to start on. You can own. always go cheaper if you're feeling, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you can always go cheaper if you can sculpt on your own, you know, mm-hmm. as in, in clay. You can actually sculpt in clay on your own. Then you can start to cast on your own and you do very small resin runs. That's also doable, entirely doable. Mm-hmm. Wow, so a lot of it awesome. depends on your skill set, actually. For it's me, the... I'm not a very good sculptor. Mm-hmm. So I kind of outsource it. <laughs> and I do the art direction. I do all the art direction for it. And I talk to people about materials and about the manufacturing methods and discuss pricing. So for me, um, I would say it still costs me money, but not like ten thousand dollars kind of money. It's um, otherwise this would be really hard to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So when when you first started out, did you know that it's going to cost you like this much amount of effort and then? Um, in a way, yes, because when I talk to uh, actually the first company I approached, the ones who did my panda, I talked to Mighty Jacks and they laid it out to me quite clearly how this was going to go and how much it was going to cost. And of course, when I heard the price, I was like, <laughs> but I really wanted to try this out. So I said, okay, okay, here's my money. Take care of my baby. Please make something nice for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of leap of faith in a sense because um, provided you have full artistic control, like you go at it from start to finish, then you really can control every step of the manufacturing. Once you leave it to a factory in China, there's a little bit of faith and hope you have to give the factory that they, you know, get it right. Mm-hmm. So get out of, like, you know, producing, like, toys for folks. And what do you think out of it? I mean, other than money, right? But what do you really get mm-hmm. from, you know, your customers who buy your stuff? Uh... Well, I, I like my customers to be happy with their products. I like it when I see their eyes light up and they go, oh, this is so cute. I want to buy this toy. How much is this? Oh, how much? Oh, very good. I buy. You know, that kind of thing. Those are my favorite customers. The, the I see, I like, I buy. Because I, I myself do the same thing. If I see a toy that's affordable enough, I don't even ask for what price. I just go, this is very cute. I'm going to buy this. And these are the best kinds of customers. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. So you like you and, like the impression uh, they have. Basically, people are getting a piece of the artist. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's just like, oh, very cute. Who's the artist? Oh, you are. Oh, okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. My, my design sense is quite interesting because, um, how should I? There are some conventions where I'm at, and then they ask who's the designer, and they're surprised that it's me. I think some of them were expecting a guy. It's very really? interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <laughs> So, so I mean, I mean, let's just go into the the topic that we want to you know discuss about, like, uh, which is which is about creating value with your ideas, right? So, what is value for you? Mm. Like, yeah, what is value? Uh, what is your definition? Value of that? for me is uh, okay. So, aside from basic monetary value, of course, I want my products to have some 
kind of like it's worth something enough to part with your money. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to have uh, just this intrinsic value, actually, because it's very personal. It's really the buyer who places that value, the kind of sentimental value kind of thing on the item itself. And it's, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's very personal. So it's very hard to calculate and quantify sometimes. Like I had a friend whose um, her Darumao cat toy had mm-hmm. a bit of an incident. and. It um let's just say it got into a bit of a fire, <laughs> and oh, I, and it had value, yeah, and it it the the house burned down lah, along with the poor toy. Oh no! I just and I just and I just felt so bad for her because of course at this point it had sentimental value, and I just said look 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 I'll give you a new one, okay? It's it's no big deal. You've gone through quite a bit of trauma there. Obviously this toy means something to you. I'll I'll do up a new one for you and send it over, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I mean by sometimes the value. It's it's hard to define because it's something that only you can figure out for yourself. When I think about the toys I buy, there is a kind of value in the sense that uh, this is an artist I like. Um, maybe it's a rare piece. Uh, maybe it's a color I've always wanted. Um, but now it's mine, and I get to look at it whenever I like, and I get to play with it. And there mm-hmm. is a kind of enjoyment that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to think mm-hmm. my customers get that too. When they buy my stuff, mm. so you like to see your customers happy, yeah, when they buy your stuff. Yes, yes. Because I, I think that you know, like value is something, um, you know, when like what you said, right? Because mm. the item or the service that you you make has got to be worth something. That um, it's kind of like an exchange, right? It's worth something. Therefore, I exchange it with either my monetary resources or maybe it could be my my time, right? To mm. to bother about it, to to you know. Um, yeah, to even to even have something there like that, that it, it, it's worth my resources, it's worth my time, worth my investment, be it monetary time whatsoever. So it's kind of like an exchange of resources, or, or you know, it's an exchange of something, right? Something like that. Yes, it is the thing. It's it's quite vague in a way and hard to explain because, um, personal. I think art actually the whole thing is subjective and personal. Why do we buy? Famous people's artwork. Why do we buy artwork from a person we don't know, but we just like? You know, you just see it, and then it's, it's an instant. I like this. I'm going to buy it. It just connects with me. Exactly, and I think I think that's yeah, connecting. Hit. That's also a good one. You know, when you see something you like, and it just connects with you. Ah, yeah, that's that's you hit a jackpot with that one because there's yeah. a human and connection, and that's, that's hard, to very explain. hard to explain. Hard to explain. The gut feel. I think it's. Different people have different way of experiencing uh, experiencing it and explaining it, but I think it's really got to do with the gut feel. Like, mm-hmm. what do I really or uh, emotionally respond to this thing? Right? Yeah. Maybe it could be yeah. evocative yeah. of the childhood memory. Maybe it could be um, evocative of uh, you know the food they are like, or you know my my uh, memories of my hometown or whatsoever. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's 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 something to do with gut feel, and if I can create something that helps someone um, respond to that, I think instantly I'm creating value. This is the kind of design that is interestingly quite hard to do because to draw a visceral reaction from your audience is not the easiest thing. You know, we see that a lot in horror movies and you draw a very like reaction from the audience. But in this case, we want that reaction to translate into uh, money. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and it's got to go. It's got that means that means the 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 value they offer or the 
object that you offer that you've created is worth so much that people are going to part their money. Yeah. It's not even just yeah. about the emotions anymore. It's not about, it's not about feeling something or having a visceral mm-hmm. response to something. But it's more like, I feel it and I want it so bad that I want to keep it in my cabinet or I want to keep it somewhere. Yeah. I want yeah. to have it and I want to own it. You know? <laughs> that's, that's really powerful. Yeah, so I think I think that's something that uh yeah you, you, I think in the designs that you've created it's um it's really appealing. So maybe you can I'll just flash some of your designs out there so the folks can have a sense of you know the stuff that you do. Um so I'm looking at uh Isabel's uh or rather Sarah Sarah's uh let's see. Yep, there we go. Okay, we have her Behance right now. So you can see the range of stuff that she has created, right? Any any particular designs that you really enjoy working from your Behance uh, website? Um, well, mostly IP. I actually found out I like working on big brands. You know? Oh, really? Okay. Because they've got some fun style guides to work with. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, one of my favorite ones was Ninja Turtles, to be honest. Ninja Turtles. Yeah, because they were quite flexible. Ah. Yes, meaning that means I'm pretty much, okay, this is the Ninja Turtles. Go play with this. I, I can? Oh, yes, okay, good. I go and play with this and make it something interesting because, you know, the original Star Guide they gave me was from the very old Ninja Turtle cartoon, the super old the original one. And I said, hey, can I, can I modernize this a little bit? Can I make this? Uh, cool-ish for the audience and they said you show us your design and then we will see whether we can approve mm. okay yeah those are really cool designs yeah. I love the term since young so you know what's the sad thing about those toys uh, tell me <laughs> due to poor distribution they're extremely hard to find well, isn't it good as well because it's precisely because they are so hard to procure then, you know, people who really love this kind of stuff and who love your designs would really chase after them? No, no, no. It's because these are mass market products. These are meant for really everyone to own. And it just makes me feel bad that not everyone gets a chance to own them. Ah. Yeah, this is, this is doing it from a different point of view. They're mass market products. I want everyone as much as possible to, be able to own them. Hmm. So could you like tell us more, a little bit more about, you know, like designer toys and mass market toys? What's the difference in in between uh, these two types of stuff? Because like, you know, designer uh, toys are so expensive, right? Why are mass market toys, uh, you know, so much more cheaper? Even though it could be the same subject matter, right? It could be Ninja Turtles, but designer Ninja Turtle, it's way more expensive than uh, mass market. Right? Okay. Um, a, lot, a, lot of it, a lot of it has to do with the numbers. It's always a numbers game. So, um, okay, okay, let's have an example. So this, this guy, right? Okay, so how many can I make of this with my own money? Um, maybe 100, maybe 200 pieces. So mm-hmm. when you do the math on that, you got to charge higher because you're working with such a small quantity. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're making, let's say, uh, Mattel or Barbie, you know, Barbie makes maybe hundreds of thousands. I can't compete mm-hmm. with hundreds of thousands. They can afford to sell a Barbie at 25 bucks and, you know, they can still go on sale huh, and drop it to $10 for a Barbie and it's still okay. They're still making money from it. Uh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in a sense, you are paying for the artistic integrity of the 
a designer toy as well, right? Because the artist... It's, it's also... No, no, no. It's also scarcity. It's yes, really it's because of scarcity at this point. Hmm. It's really just purely scarcity? Because I think... I would think that, you know, it's precisely because the artist... I would think it's also a matter of, like, you know, um, artistic integrity. Because you are committed to a certain vision and you want your toys to be done in a certain and because you're so stringent with your way of um, doing, you know, designing and having your art direction, your say, how the things are being produced, and you can only produce them in a limited quantity. And that drives scarcity. So in that sense, that whole process of that, that commitment to excellence in your vision and in your craftsmanship is artistic integrity. Yeah, okay, yes, I would agree with that also. Uh, but you should, I mean, you've seen how people clamber for limited edition toys. They do the most ridiculous things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that'd be nice one day. I don't know. I mean, people tell me you should, you can judge the value of a toy by how much it goes for on eBay. And I'm like, oh no, people are reselling my toys. Oh, my babies. Have you seen what's the highest value your, your toys have gone up to? No, 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 no. I haven't, I haven't been prolific and I'm not, I'm not quite up there yet to become something worth on eBay. But, but okay, here's the interesting part. No one's been willing to eBay my stuff, meaning they want to keep it. That's to me a good sign. You cannot really find my stuff on eBay. It's a good thing as well. Because people really because treasure Because my customers seem to really want to keep their toys. And I, 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 that's great. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a really good thing. Wow. Yeah. So you don't want to see your toys on eBay someday, no? Yeah, when, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, when the time comes, I'm like, oh, I don't know what drove you to sell this, but okay. Maybe maybe that's when you become like super, super famous. Like when you are like world class and then maybe one of your toys would cost like, you know, tens of thousands because they're oh. so rare <laughs> so they're probably they're probably keeping it for future investment oh no okay maybe maybe who knows right <laughs> <laughs> wow okay okay it's kind of cool but really i hope people you know keep and enjoy the toys <laughs> yeah i think that's 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 a key thing of being a designer because right? you want people to enjoy your designs and to keep yeah. your stuff but how how do you how do you create value with your toys or how do folks benefit when they buy your stuff mm. and you know is there like a tangible or intangible benefit to buying like you know your 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 line of toys or your brand of uh, designs it's not just toys that you do well i think it's intangible like, like i said originally a lot of this thing is very personal you know personal liking a personal whatever you know sometimes i get a customer who buys five of my shirts and i'm like oh gee thank you i mean you must really like whatever i'm doing to actually be willing to wear my artwork out you know, like a walking billboard advertising my art. That's really nice of you. And uh, I mean, it's subconscious, really. Nobody thinks that they're actually a walking billboard. They just like the design. Same with how most of us buy our you know, clothes in the first place. But, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, intangible value, I suppose. And um, So what do you think you're offering as an artist when people buy your stuff? A personal piece of the artist, I guess, a tiny personal piece of something that I touched. <laughs> I mean, okay, because I also have to think about what, how I also feel when I buy other people's artwork. And it's always, mm-hmm. a kid, especially the ones who hand make it, it's always like this person put in effort to, you know, hand or finish or whatever it is that they were doing. And there are only maybe uh, 25 pieces available of this. And I want to be a part of that. You know, I want to own a piece of this little, you know, collection that they are making. Mm. and yeah I guess that's what drives me and I think that's what drives more, most people I think when it comes to this kind of thing mm. so you're saying it's the appreciation of the craftsmanship that's the key thing yes 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 
All right. But I think I think your earlier story also highlights something else. Because like you were saying, like, you know, you, you have this fan whose toy and a house got burned down. And mm. you just being so nice and offering, I say, hey, you know what? I can, you know, give you another one. I think that's there's there's something more that you offer as well, right? Um, in terms of how you treat, you know, um your customers or your clients or people who buy your work. Right? Uh, well, okay. So I, I really don't want my customers to be happy. I mean, very occasionally I send a product out and when it goes to them, something breaks. I mean, it can't be helped. Okay. I actually had a customer in Brazil and he was terrified that the product would arrive to him in pieces because apparently people like to hide drugs in toys. So apparently, yeah, this is a thing. So he was worried that they would break it open and look for it. And I was like, oh my God, no, you, you tell me if that happens, I will find a way to get another one to you. You know, I, what's important is my customers are happy with their toy and the toy makes them happy. Everyone's happy. And I, I also believe it's good customer service, really, as a, you know, just from a marketing point of view. It, it's like it broke along the way. In a way, okay, it's not my father that it broke, it's Post or whoever it is did it. But I feel partially responsible for like, I don't know, am I partially responsible for their happiness? I don't think so. But I think it's just good customer service for all. I want them to be happy with whatever product they bought from me and I want them to have a good impression. The whole buying thing, you know, mm. they're going to go, what a great seller. I'll buy from her again. She's very conscientious mm. about, you know, how the package arrives to you, whether it's all in one piece, no, 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 that kind of thing. Right. Because when I buy, when I, so if I'm a customer and I'm, I'm not just buying a good product, I'm also buying into the whole um, Sarah's, Isabel's experience, right? Of, of, Something like that, something right. like that. As much like, as I she, can offer. <laughs> she, she, she really cares that I get the stuff in, in, in a good condition and you know, there, is, there is that um, credibility and trust, right? Over the years that you've built up because of this level of commitment to creating something good for the guys who buy your stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I guess I, I, I would say like, you know, maybe it's not even just about the craftsmanship. It's also about the personality of the artist. Um, the personality and the kind of um, vibe that they give out, right? Like they, you know, sell the stuff because no one wants to buy from a grouchy or, <laughs> you know, a horrible person. But you you want to yes, buy stuff yes. from a nice person, right? <laughs> well, that's, that's partially why I think being in conventions in Portland is, is very, you know, important to be there in person mm. because your customers want to see the face behind the products and they want to know who you are and how you are like as a person and what you're all about. And um, being in a convention is the best way to meet all these people at once. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Nicholas still says he loves the Godzilla pins. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love your Godzilla pins as well. And the Gamera pins, those are beautiful. But... Uh, yeah, man, those, they're so cute. I don't know whether I want to continue with those though. I mean... They, I mean, they're still like King Ghidorah and, and Mothra and Rodan. I haven't yet decided whether I want to continue with that series. It costs money, huh? so I have to think about it. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it's, it's probably, it's, it's probably um, not, not, not cheap to produce those. But I don't know all this stuff that you have there. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of suppliers. Yeah. Yay. So, so th- those are really beautiful. When I bought those one, I was so happy. My wife can testify to that. I was like, <sighs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, is that is, is I have, you know, I, yeah. I have considered making Godzilla toys, but there are just too many of them right now. And if I want to do something, it has to be something really different. So well, we'll see how that goes. 
And and I think that's also something interesting here because like when you do something different, you are essentially um, creating something fresh, right? Something extraordinary, something that's that stands up in the crowd. Of course, could be you know um, translated into some sort of value because people who want to be different will want to stand by that and purchase that because like, hey, no, I buy this because I'm different from everyone else, and 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 that's kind of cool. It's kind of uh, mm. that helps define me as a person. So, yeah, I think I think it's, it's value is such a big thing because it's it can be almost anything like if you really want to uh, you know, define a product. It's not just visually how it looks like. Mm. It's about your personality, how you sell, how you engage. You know what the brand brand that you hold as a person. Um, I'm pretty sure, actually, you know, marketing teams have entire discussions about value and customers when they're trying to sell or make a new product. I'm sure as well, because at the end of the day, I mean, if you really want to go into this conversation, it's really about branding, right? How, yeah, how yeah, you brand yeah. yourself and <laughs> marketing and, and brand drives value, you know? And I know a lot of creatives don't like to talk about this that much, or maybe I'm just, I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Put my hands in here. I could be wrong. Disclaimer alert. You know? <laughs> but I, I think a lot of creatives don't see themselves as an individual brand. And, you know, just, just being being a nice person to work with has value. Has a nice brand slap to, to an individual already, you know. Um, yeah, but, you know, especially in this day and age, people, people don't see the value of that. Um, but you know, I'm anyway. I, I've detracted from from that. Um, like you know, like not the one like going going haywire today. Uh, but you know, like for for yourself, like, have you have you bought anything that didn't that didn't really live up to its uh, perceived value? Like you bought something you thought, hey, this is so cool, but then later on you got disappointed. Ah, yeah. This usually happens with Kickstarter. Hmm. And also, if you have too many high expectations of your product, you know, sometimes you get carried away with your thinking and going, oh, the things I will do with this product when it arrives, how wonderful it will be, how nice it will look, la, 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 la. And then you have this wonderful image of your head, this wonderful idea of it. And then when it arrives, you're like, uh-uh, what happened here? <laughs> it did not live up to my dreams. Mm. So, okay, so I, I do like to back Kickstarters. And... Interestingly, I don't back art in 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 uh, Kickstarter. It's oh. in the category I don't look at. I am very interested in industrial design. It, it's odd. I think ever since I went to Toys, I've become very interested in manufacturing. And oh, okay. for that reason, I spend a lot of my time going through Kickstarter looking at the product design section. And it's easy for things to go haywire where product design is concerned. Because if you're trying something that's totally brand new, it's, uh, it means it's a new market, a niche market, but it mm. can mean that you can go entirely wrong with it. <laughs> mm. but, okay, but so far, I mean, um, what do I back? I back things like bags. Bags, not so hard to go wrong. I have not been disappointed with any of those. Um, electronics, it's easy for it to go wrong. So I'm careful about that. Interestingly, mm-hmm. one of the projects that did go quite wrong for me was a uh, an art project. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were making little uh, dinosaur skulls cast in bronze, I think, with a little display case. And oh, that like, one! I almost yeah, backed that yeah, one. Yeah. I know which one you're talking uh, about. Okay, okay, okay. No, there are, there are a few. Huh? There are a few. This was one of them. 
And I was like hyped up over it. And I was like, oh, can't wait to have little dinosaur skulls on my table. I said, look at it. Oh, I'm a little paleontologist. Look at my little collection. And then when it arrived, it was like, oh. <laughs> Literally oh, really? like, oh. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I yeah. know which is the particular Kickstarter that you were talking about. Because no one wanted oh, to okay. that that person as well. <laughs> But in the end, oh, I, yeah. I, I retracted that because at the point I just felt like, you know, I didn't really want to buy a, a T-Rex, uh, you know, uh. style. <laughs> yeah, so, but it, I almost got it, man. I was like, man, having like a T-Rex plump, so good. But you know, like how, I'm just curious, like for Kickstarter, um, how do you think people deliver, you know, their perceived and intrinsic value? Like, especially for the successful ones that you purchase. What do you think worked for them? Uh, hmm. I'm not sure actually. I have to think about that. Oh dear. <laughs> What's a better way to phrase that? I need the phrasing of the question. <laughs> okay, let me think. Like, if oh. is there like a common thread between all these um, successful Kickstarter projects that actually delivered that value that you perceive it to be? That match the value that you perceive them at? Okay, um, new but different. Same but different, new but different. It's like pretty much they're doing something that we know already exists. Um, so tried and tested, but they're putting something new about it. So okay, I will go back to bags. Bags are easy, okay? So everyone on Kickstarter does bags. They're always doing a backpack, you know, some kind of new worktop bag. Oh, bring this with you, everyday carry, you know, can go on the subway, can go bicycling, can go whatever. They essentially all do the same thing. They carry your stuff, okay? But it's how they market it. It's the kind of features they put on bags. And each, of course, each um, Kickstarter tries to outdo each other. And sometimes you see many similar bags appearing at the same time. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, it, it, to me, it's coming up with something that's familiar, but with a new twist to it, I suppose. Mm. Okay. And the twist, yeah. how, how would you describe some of this? Uh, how would they twist it? Is, it? is it a lifestyle thing? Is it... A fee additional sometimes, feature, you know. Sometimes it's a feature that you didn't know you needed. So you okay, um, you know, before it was a thing. Um, it was considered like oh, so novel. You can put in a uh battery pack in your bag, and look, a wire extends out. You can charge your phone without having to fiddle about for it. Oh, so new and exciting. And for a while, everyone was doing it. So new and exciting. You know, after a while, every bag does that now. So that's no more mm -hmm. new and exciting. Now people have to come up with something else. So now mm -hmm. the new one I saw was uh, a bag with like a um, rim light on the back, which you can light up. Why? Why? <laughs> okay, you ask why, right? It's actually for people who cycle. So when they're cycling at oh, night, okay. it lights up. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Then, then that would make sense. I was like, yeah. well, okay, cycling, okay, I totally get that. Yes, yes. So that was the purpose. I also thought, why? Huh? You want a big backpack with a night light also. Where are you going? <laughs> you know, but when they frame as it's, for cycling at night and I'm like okay yes this makes sense fine okay that's a, that's a different twist that's, that's new okay mm. okay so it, it sounds like sometimes you got to even though you can have a feature but you got to angle it to the right audience right because otherwise it wouldn't make sense right like why would I want to pick you gotta you gotta yeah you gotta you gotta think about your audience you gotta think about your audience that's very important because there are so many people making bags right now and at this point, anyone can make a bag, literally, because there's so many factories that cater to this. So now you have to think, what is special about my bag? What's the selling point of my bag? Who is using my bag? 
those mm. kinds of important user questions. So who, who is your audience for your designs? Who are your target For audience? me, okay, so because it's designer point, you can be a bit selfish about it, actually, to be honest. Oh, because a lot of the time, yeah, 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 because a lot of the time when I design, I'm just thinking about cute and appealing to me. The first person I have to make happy is me because I'm the art director. If I'm not happy with it, I cannot release it. So I have to be the first person to be happy with it. So after I'm happy with it, I release the, the drawing or whatever to the world and see who else is happy with it. Mm. In a way, sometimes, that's why it's an ego project sometimes because you can create something that only you are happy with. And if you have the money, sure, you can go and make whatever it is you like. Mm. The real test of it is when you make this item, do other people share your vision and think, this is awesome. I also want to have one. Can I buy one? That kind of thing. Uh, that's the real test, I find. Because mm-hmm. you're you are trying to listen in to your buyers, right? Who, who are going mm-hmm. to appreciate and keep the toy. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. They, they have got to like it first, right? Even though I may like it, but if the guy mm-hmm. who I'm trying to sell to doesn't like it, then what's the part of making it in the first place? To me, there's actually an important design principle that's a bit subconscious for me when I was working in the toy company. And it is, I want to design something so cute you'll throw up. (laughs) (laughs) It is so cute. You you look at it and your face is like, oh, this is the cutest thing. I must have it. Oh, take my money, take my money. That that, that is the gut response I kind of want to get. I don't Mm. actively think about it when I'm designing, but it's something that, at the back of my head anyway. You know, I'm like enjoying this cute face, enjoying the cute features. And I'm mm-hmm. this is so cute. I hope my audience thinks it is so cute. Okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing, right? Like how do you how do you design something for cuteness? Okay, okay. Not, so uh, not mixed. Like, yeah, how 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 do you do that? You know, people people like wondering like okay, this yeah. This is a difficult question, okay. I've been asked this before. Just like, just like, you know, there are some generic shapes that we know, you know, evoke like more oh, round shapes, cute, yeah, yeah. fuzzy, but yeah. it's kind of subjective, but at the same time, is there like a, a I mean, what is your way, since it's subjective, what is your way or your philosophy mm, creating? My way is very, that's the thing, it's hard for me to teach. I had someone actually ask me about how to draw cute characters and I thought to myself, there is actually a formulaic way to draw cute characters. But there's no guarantee it will actually come out cute. And as an anecdote for this, um, I went for masterclass one, and one of the sections was how to draw cute characters. And you know, it was things like make sure the head is like this big, and the body is like this small, and the eyes are the proportions are like this. And there were students who followed exactly. Mm-hmm. But what came out looked really scary. <laughs> <laughs> So in a way, um, for me personally, it was looking at a lot of uh, toys, being exposed to many, many, no, more than college videos, being exposed to a lot of things, a lot of um, products, uh, nature, um, going to art gallery, just looking at things that are pleasing to the eye. Mm-hmm. And you're not, not, for me anyway, I'm not necessarily over-analyzing, I'm just absorbing. Mm-hmm you know, and digesting for later. Mm-hmm. So like, um, I actually spent one year working at a toy store, a traditional toy store, like wooden blocks and wooden oh. toys and stuff like that. So I would say that was also partially an influence because I spent a lot of time going through the toy catalog because I just like to look, I just wanted to look at the colors and look at the shapes. I wanted to look at what did other people think, you know, was also appealing, what, what works for them. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I do spend a lot of time at toy stores, huh? Toys R Us and uh, whatever toy stores I can find. Because commercially, I also want to know what works commercially. You know, so there's just mm. a lot of examining of uh, many different factors, I guess. And then when I design, I'm just thinking to myself, um, I do use some Disney principles huh, for designing based on what actually looks like because Disney does actually have some core principles for this but you need to modify accordingly as you're drawing you cannot just draw point blank based on what Disney does mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's about capturing a mood I guess mm-hmm. like when I was doing some Overwatch designs I was actually told uh, we want a chibi version we want a kids version and we want a teenager version and you have to kind of think about what these uh, shapes may look like and how they feel like. Maybe you can, yeah, you can talk talk a little bit more about your Overwatch designs because I think those are pretty interesting to look at. Ah, well, uh, hmm. my poor Overwatch designs. Uh, oh, be under your, which, which page is that? Because you have so many pages. Oh, oh, you're looking at my behind, is it? Yes, I'm looking at your behind. Is it in your behind? Okay, okay, okay. It should be around there somewhere. I think you have to keep scrolling down. Keep scrolling down, huh? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, oh, I see. Yeah, there we go. Sure. Uh, you okay. found it? Yeah, let me just oh, resize okay. it. I'm going to resize it because it's a little bit big. Oh. Okay. We only can see like, uh, you know, the... What's the name of the gorilla in uh, Overwatch? Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's better. Okay, here we go. Yeah. We're going to look at it now, yeah. Ah. Uh... Okay, originally when I was asked about to do this project, it was uh, a possible pitch to Blizzard to do minifigures for them. And it was quite exciting. Uh, this was before Overwatch was actually launched. And they gave me some concept art turnaround to go and look at and study and these three characters to go and play with. And I was like, okay, okay, come, I'll try and figure out some different look for mm-hmm. this project. And uh, so I came up with a series of them. The only problem was that I think the lawyers could not agree on a deal, so we never got anywhere. Ah, that's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame, I know. Because I quite enjoyed doing this series. I thought they would have turned out quite cute. Yeah, you're playing with proportions, and, uh, and, you know, I guess it's some of them, yeah. Some of the heads are bigger. Some of them, the heads are slightly smaller. some are more slightly more realistic in terms of their proportion. So you're really just playing a proportion in all these designs, yeah? Um, a lot of design really, a good design is playing with proportions and mm. you know, getting them to look okay, so that's the thing. Appealing to me is something that's hard to teach. I have no idea how to teach appealing. <laughs> mm. Mm. But I think appeal is also like um combination of your whole life experience right because it's it's not just uh you know your work experience it's like you said you know your experience working in a toy store your research at convention looking at a multitude of toy products done by different companies so it's it's kind of like a combination of the refinement of your taste over time as well as your craftsmanship right something like that yes which is why in a way i mean Designers, fine designers all have different flavors because we all have different backgrounds and we all have different things that influence us. So, but again, you know, the idea of being able to teach appeal, you know, to me, I have no idea how to go about even teaching the idea, the concept of appeal because I can teach what cute means, but because cute can also be really subjective to you, how you choose to interpret and design based on the word cute can be very, very, very different. Mm. 
Yeah. But like you said as well, right? You you took out a masterclass in, you know, designing toys, was it? Was it uh, designing toys? Uh, no, no, no. This was actually a concept art masterclass. Oh, yes, yeah. okay. So it's a concept art masterclass, right? But, you know, mm. they, it's kind of like almost like a formulary way to design something that is cute per se. But like you said, right? Not everyone masterfully does it well or not everyone mm. can apply those formulas well, right? Mm. It's... It's formula, but it doesn't necessarily mean you be with the right level of finesse. <laughs> and everyone I has different levels. I the most art, actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, it's very subjective, but at the same time, it's about taste, right? And, and oh. it's, it's uh, taste is just born out of, um, yeah, an individual's personality and life experiences. So, yes, yes. Yeah. Those those things actually go into the artwork to the products that we make as well. So, yeah, helps create stuff. Mm. It's value. Um, you know, like for what what do you think? You know, young designers can do to create value out of the ideas that they have in their heads. That really depends on what they consider to be valuable to begin with. Actually, um, yeah. So for them, that depends. They want to also make and sell stuff. Does value for them mean? getting to work in a big company, there's value to them, you know, there's a thing. Because this value question is personal. It's something they have to think about and answer for themselves. Probably. Or maybe when they're thinking about it, they can ask someone. It's like, but you can't ask other people, what do I value? You see, that's a, that's a very personal question. You have to think to yourself, what do you personally value as an artist? So for me, I value my personal artistic freedom. I value, that's why I'm a freelancer in the first place. I value that kind of freedom. I value the ability to create you know, my own products and my own whim. No one can stop me. So I go and make whatever it is I want. I value, um, let's see. Well, I like being able to fire my clients <laughs> if they behave badly. And um, But then again, this is a fairly, to me, it's a bit of a higher level question. It's something I think it's fair to ask of a fresh grad. This is something I think you can only ask when they've been a little while in the industry. Because what, what did you know of value when you were fresh out of school? I th- I th- what did you I really was, know anyway? I think, I, think, I think you have a point there in the sense that, like, you know, um, as a fresh grad, um, they don't have much experience. And half the time you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm just ready to meet the world right now. I have no idea, you know, what my identity is as a guy or a person who's going to the workforce right now. Right? Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to define value, but at the same time, they are individuals um, who are really motivated and very clear at the same time. Like, you know, when I come out from school, I want to achieve X, Y, Z, right? And mm-hmm. I want to be of, um, I, I don't want to keep using the word value because that's been overused for tonight, but I want to be of use to society and I want to have some uh. sort of legacy, right? I want to have meaning in my life. I want to have meaning mm, in, in, in the purpose very every single thing that I do. Important question. The very important question. Right. Yes. So, so um, how do you think people can can move more, shift more toward their mindset, whereby you know they start Sometimes thinking about? it takes a monumental event in their life to happen. Actually, um, I will admit that when I was much younger in the industry, I was not very self-directed. I kind of was. I wouldn't say I was lazy also, but there was a, a kind of like waiting, waiting for something to happen, waiting for the industry to do something or another for me, as opposed 
to me doing something about the whole thing. And I think what it took for that to change was for me, you know, to start going to conventions and realizing that, okay, it looks like I actually have some agency and some stake, you know, in my stuff if I'm willing to like put my work out for other people to see. You know, suddenly it's like uh, there is something to fight for, personal, you know. Because I wasn't getting this from work. Work wasn't doing it for me. Work was just work. And it's like, okay, go to work, come home, sleep, do some personal artwork, and then that's it. It it felt stagnant. And I was not happy with that. And I was also not happy because I was waiting. And I don't know what I was waiting for. The waiting was to happen. And upon realizing that, you know, you can't just wait for something to happen. Sometimes you have to be the one that happens. And um, when I eventually happened, it was like, ah, I am finally answering the question about, you know, what do I actually want to do in life, you know, and it, it's related to this thing. But it took a while to reach the whole point and start with conventions, you build up slowly, discovering what you actually like to do. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a journey. Let's just say it's a journey. And sometimes you need a bit of a catalyst. And sometimes that catalyst is um, an event, uh, your friend talking to you and, you know, a bit of like, wake up your ideas, you know, think about what you actually want, you know. But, you know, it's me this when I was fresh out of school at 21, I would have said, I don't know, I don't work for Disney. You know, because, you know, when you're young and bright and, uh, I'm sorry, I say naive, but in a good way, you know, you are happy and willing to work on anything thrown at you. And sometimes you're even willing to work for free, you don't work for free. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, it takes time for you to grow into yourself. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, Certain events, like uh, without Sparky, I actually would not be where I am today, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Sparky was an interesting event that shifted a lot of things for me because uh, I met the right people who connected me to the right people and I got my gig with Warner Bros. And I started doing, uh, I wasn't even toy design, I was just doing a style guide design for them. But that started the whole thing rolling already because working for them gave me the money to start my first toy. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a giant, you know, series of events that may not look connected. That's the frustrating part is they don't look connected. It's like a butterfly effect kind of thing. Like, whoop, here we go. Something starts moving and then you go along with it. And you're like, sometimes you don't like where you're at, but it leads to something else. Kind of thing. But for, for say, like for some, for some fresh grads or young creatives, right? Maybe they've worked in the industry for two to three years. How do you think they can, you know, start thinking about value creation? You know, it's if they have an idea that they want to put it out there to the where do you think they can start they, with, with that? Well, first of all, depends on the idea. What do they want to do? They want to start a business? Do they want to sell their art? They need to first start out that part. And I guess uh, you should probably discuss with uh, friends, discuss with mentors, discuss with peers. You've got to sort out exactly what it is you're doing. You know, um, have a sounding board. Figure out whether this idea of yours is a good idea in the first place. Like, uh, I'll tell you now, when I started doing toys, I didn't have people to discuss this. It was just me and thinking, Haha, I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. <laughs> so if I knew more things at the time, I don't, okay, I don't think I would have done things differently, but I would have asked more questions. Mm-hmm. You know, right, right, right. I still would have done it, but at least I would have had a bit more information. But you know, sometimes you don't know, you don't know, you can't even ask about because it doesn't even occur to you to ask about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that can happen. Mm. So it sounds like um, you know. Essentially, the key thing for at least from what I'm hearing from you, it's like young creatives and fresh graduates, they just need to be open to life, to life experiences. And to be open also, to you know, Talk to people. Talk to people, my goodness. Especially at conventions. Talk to mm-hmm. people. 
These are mm, people who are... Friends. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, I am a uh, introvert. I like to hide. But when I'm at a convention, I will talk to nearly everyone. Partly because it's business and partly because I do want to know what people are doing. I think it's important to know what other people are doing too. Mm. And you forgot and to let people know what you are doing as well. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, I guess I should market myself when I'm doing Although, okay, when I was younger, I did that more. Now, people generally know who I am, so not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. marketing is, is so important. If people don't know what you do or they don't know who you are, then that's a bit of a shame, right? Especially when you can bring so much joy to the whole thing. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. That whole personal brand is important. That whole, you know, you know, they talk about having uh, that luck and opportunity thing. It's really getting your portfolio in order. And what I can say about that is, there's a great deal of luck involved too because really, if that company doesn't have work for you too bad, but if they have and your portfolio is right for them, then very good. But you have the job now. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. All right. That kind of sums it up, I suppose. All right. So um, thank you so much for the show today. Um, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, oh, I, we're I done really already. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's... <laughs> name of this guy, like, this bear. I'm like, so um, cute, right? it's actually a work in progress for the name. I'm still, I'm still working. Oh, you still on have it. the name for it? Okay, okay. No, because my name for it is very late. Really, tell us, tell us. Yes. Big bear. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because the other one is called, called small bear because it's literally a small bear. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, are you planning to release this like in in anytime soon? I would love to. A lot of it depends on the COVID situation, though, because you know all the factories are in China. So yeah, it really depends. I mean, this year is going to be slow, unfortunately, especially for manufacturing. I think everything is going to be slow, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes I have to relax a little bit, even if it's against my will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, man. All the best for that project. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so thank you once again, everyone, and hope to see you guys around. All right. See you guys. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> hey guys, Ribosaurus Dom here. Thank you for joining us in our roar. If you'd like to hear more about Southeast Asian entertainment designers and creatives, do give us a subscribe. Join us at Ribosaurus Draws on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Catch you next time.